When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to another exciting edition of the Pointless Exercise Podcast. It's a very special edition of the Pointless Exercise Podcast. It's Thanksgiving week. And so I'm not sure if either of the mics uh, want to uh, pod this week. So I'm going to have on your all-time favorite guest of mine. Me. Just me. Um, Frankly, I don't want to talk about the Bears for an hour. I just don't think I can do it this week. I need a break. So I'm going to talk about the Bears a little bit in uh, the second block. It's podcast talk. I guess. I don't know. Uh, we start, we're talk about the Cubs, and we're talking about the Bears. We're going to talk about the Bulls for just a little bit, and then I've got some other stuff. Uh, you're going to get a, uh, a full... You're going to get <laughs> five... No. You're going to get ten pounds of podcast shit in a five-pound bag. Doesn't that sound attractive that's what you're gonna get let's start by talking about our beloved Chicago Cubs uh, the news this week really is not news they nobody's doing anything and they're not alone they're not doing anything either but one thing that uh, our pals uh, Patrick Mooney and Sahadev Sharma over at the athletic have reported is that they're going to make very serious contract extension offers to Nico Horner. Seems like a good idea. And Ian Happ. (laughs) Which seems like less of a good idea. Unless the idea is to uh, sign Ian for what will actually happen is that he will get progressively worse over the next few seasons. But that doesn't seem to be the way contract extensions work. Um, But he won a gold glove. Remember that. Very exciting. You want a left field gold glove. You and I, I think, were runner-up in that. If you've ever caught a foul ball at a baseball game, even on the bounce, or if it hits somebody in the face and then you catch it, you're eligible for a left field gold glove in the National League. And congratulations to Ian for winning it. I'm sure he's already come up with a coffee flavor uh, that has something to do with it. And... um, you can probably get gold glove hair plugs now, or one of those uh, shystery uh, extended car warranty things that he sells. I'm sure everything's branded gold gloves. I did see um, Rawlings sent him his new glove, and it has, when you win a gold glove, they sew a little gold patch onto it so that everybody knows. And it's exciting. So next year we can watch him drop fly balls with his gold glove. That'll be very exciting for everybody. No movement so far on any of the big four. <clears throat> I mean, three uh, 
Shortstops. Carlos Correa. Xander Bogarts. Trey Turner. And then does anybody really think Dansby Swanson is one of the big four? I mean, no. I, we don't think that. Uh, the Cubs um, have supposedly had talks with the agent for Xander Bogarts and Carlos Correa. That just happens to be Scott Boris. And I'm not sure who Trey Turner's agent is. Um, could be Tina Turner. Is that his mom? Um, he's probably not. Kathleen Turner, maybe. I don't know which Turner. Um, Turner and Hooch. Is it Hooch? Is Hooch's agent. Um, and then Dansby Swanson is most likely getting his hair done still. At some point, he'll be ready to chat. You know that this is going to happen, right? Um, Trey or Xander are going to sign first. Carlos is going to wait because he's the best one. And why hurry? And Dansby's going to wait around until the other guys are all gone and some team, like the Cubs, is like, oh shit, we didn't get any of them. Well, why don't we just give you the money? That'd be fun. Uh, if the Cubs were smart, it, I mean, we should preface that. If the Cubs were smart, they wouldn't be the Cubs. But if the Cubs were smart, I mean, Carlos Correa is the guy to sign. They have the money. They have a positional need. He played in Minnesota last year, so you can tell him it's it's actually warmer somewhere. If you don't like the cold in Minnesota, the cold in Chicago, two or three degrees warmer, Carlos. It'd be great. Um, I did like, I can't remember if it was Ken Rosenrose or whoever, uh, somebody was like, well, the Cubs really like Correa coming out of, uh, com- coming into the draft, and he was their priority. Um, who's left other than Jed? Is there anybody else still around? Remember when we really liked Carlos Correa coming out? We did. Yeah, we liked him. Um, so I don't know that that means a lot. They should like him. He's he's very good. That's why they should like him. Um, last week, uh, with when I had John Greenberg on the pod, we talked about uh, the Cubs' uh, 40-man roster crunch and how they somehow duped the rest of the league into not claiming uh, future superstars, all of them, Framel Reyes, David Bodie, Alec Mills, threw a no-hitter once. I don't know if you guys remember that. It was a pandemic no-hitter. I mean, it happened like the day after the Cubs had a walk-off win against the Brewers where Jason Hayward and uh, Ildemaro Vargas went back-to-back off of Josh Hader. I mean... It was, the world was upside down. But he threw a no-hitter. Brad Wick, Stephen, do you even lift, bro? I don't think he says it, bro, but I, he should. Narciso Crook, who I like just because he's named Narciso. Cubs, not so much. They played him for about three days and then said, why don't you go back and... Iowa's nice, Narciso. Spend the summer and the fall there, and the next spring, it'll be great. And the great Anderson Espinosa. All those guys got through waivers. Amazing that the Cubs could push talent like that through. Well, then we have the non-tender deadline. And former Cub top prospect, fireballing whiz, left-handed fireballing whiz, Braylon Marquez did not get tendered. Um, will we ever see him pitch for the Cubs again? Probably. 
because no, like everybody else, nobody else is going to claim him. But if we don't, or even if we comes back to the Cubs and, um, you know, he, you know, because of the fact that he may never pitch in the big leagues again, we will always have, though, his his one appearance in 2020. Um, it was a memorable one. Last day of the season against the White Sox. A beautiful U.S. Comiscular. He came in to pitch one inning. He threw... He got two guys out. He walked three. He gave up two hits. He threw two wild pitches. And he allowed five earned runs. His ERA... 67-50. Is that good? Is is high, high is good, right? The bigger the number... No, it's not the opposite of that? Yeah. That's too bad. He's still young. He's only... He'll be 24 next season, so... You know, assuming they can staple his arm back onto his body. That might work out for him. Someday. Now, the Cubs have a gaping hole in center field. Literally. Like, that's one of the things that Dan Kiermeyer has to do, is he has to... I think they dug a hole out for the... Uh, for the sledding hill. Uh, at Chris Kindle Market. Whatever they're calling the thing at Marquee. Marquee! At, uh, at Wrigley and uh, Gallagher Way. But they do have a gaping hole in center field um, because another guy that got non-tendered was the amazing um, 37-year-old rookie, or whatever it was, 30, Rafael Ortega. So they're going to have to go find a center fielder. And I think we all have kind of braced ourselves for the fact that they're going to overpay Dan Kiermaier's brother, Kevin, which would have been would have been a great guy to have like five years ago. Um, but if they don't, there's a lot of talk that they will go after Another recently non-tendered player, and, and all the best players get non-tendered, really. It's it's all the rage these days. Uh, former Dodger, Rookie of the Year, and most valuable player, Cody Bellinger. And it's like, holy crap, why wouldn't you sign Cody Bellinger? He's, he's 27, he's in the prime of his career. He's won... Like we said, he's won a Rookie of the Year. He's won an MVP. He's been an All-Star twice. He won a Gold Glove. He won a Silver Slugger. Whew! What's not to like? Uh, what are the Dodgers doing? Why would they possibly let him go? Well, here's what they're doing. Uh, see if you've spotted a trend in any of this. Here's This is Cody's first three years in the big leagues. He had 278 with a 369 on base and a 559 slugging percentage. That's a OPS of 928. In those three seasons, he hit 111 home runs, 88 doubles. He drove in 288 runs. He stole 39 bases. He got, only got caught nine times. Um, per his average per 162 was... I was 78, 369, 559, with 40 homers and 104 RBIs. Sign me up. I can't I can't write a check with enough zeros in it for him. Woohoo. Here's the last three years for Cody Melger. He's at 203 with a 272 on base and a 376 slug. He has hit 41 homers, just 70 less. 134 RBIs and 46 doubles. 
He has also struck out 286 times in 295 games. Now, he always struck out a lot. His 162 average for those years, 23 homers and 74 RBIs. Hey, sounds great. 203, 272, 376. Um, Cody has a bad right shoulder, which he hurt uh, a couple of times in 2020, and which he incredibly (laughs) re-injured during the World Series against the Rays when the Dodgers thought that a great uh, celebration after a big home run would be to do a combination of the leaping high five and the old Bash Brothers forearm thing where you would you would find a, an excited teammate either who had done something great or is excited for your recent greatness and the two of you would run towards each other and jump in the air and kind of do the high five and kind of do the forearm bash, but instead just like hook each other uh, on the on the inner elbow. Almost like you were about to land and do some dosy doing That ripped Cody's uh, shoulder right back out of socket again. So not so good. But that was years ago. I'm sure he's all healed now, which is why he's been so great. The Cubs, according to sources, I don't really have sources. I have sources who know sources. The Cubs say that uh, the good news is they don't think his struggles the last three years were physical. They think it's mechanical. Um, I don't know what kind of uh, mechanics um, aren't physical. Right? I mean, he's not an actual machine. He's human, I would assume. I mean, his dad, Clay, uh, played for the Yankees. So... Unless mom's a cyborg, I don't think he's a machine. Uh, but their whole thing is, oh, no, no, we'll fix him. Get this. This is the, the ace the Cubs have up their sleeve. They always have one. And it's always great. The ace they have up their sleeve is their new hitting coach. Because, yes, yes, once again, for the, what is it, 37th year in a row, the Cubs fired their hitting coach. Their new hitting coach, Dustin Kelly, Worked with the Dodgers when Cody was at his best. So clearly, Cody's going to want to come play for the Cubs because of Dustin Kelly. It's going to be great. How fortuitous. Has anybody taken the time to wonder, though? Okay, yeah, you can connect the dots, right? Dustin Kelly worked with the Dodgers. Cody Bellinger played for the Dodgers. Cody was really good. Dustin was there. What if Cody thinks Dustin's a prick? Or he's like, I don't want to play for that. I don't want that asshole trying to fix my swing. He was a moron. The reason I was good, I didn't ever listen to anything he said. We don't really know. But that's the theory. And we're going to hear a lot of that. It's it's reminiscent of uh, the last time the Cubs had a hitting coach who stayed for more than one year was John Malley. And he famously identified in Jason Hayward's swing something that he was going to fix. One simple fix that's going to unlock Jason Hayward. And he's oh, all with this. I know we're paying. Or I know we're going to pay him a lot of money to get him. But he's going to be worth every penny, because uh, this is going to turn him into a, turn him into a forty homer a year player. It's going to be great. Uh, in uh, twenty fifteen with the Cardinals, Hayward hit two ninety three with a three fifty nine on base and a four thirty nine slug. Here's a six foot five, two hundred and thirty pound man slugging four thirty nine. It's like oh, we can do. 
clearly there's something we can unlock there. Um, so he hit an opposite field home run against the Cubs in the playoffs for the Cardinals at Wrigley Field. Jed and Theo were sitting up in the uh, in their little box. Uh, both of them so excited they took their pants off and threw them onto the roof of this of the box because they're like, look at that. Can you imagine if that guy played for us? He'd hit one of those opposite field home runs every game, at least. What's the record? Is it 81? 81 home runs? Because he's going to hit at least that many. So they threw a lot of money at Jason, uh, who just a year before, the, the Braves, who had drafted him and developed him, had looked at him and said, eh, that's about enough. And they traded him uh, for Shelby Miller, who would eventually kind of sort of pitch for the Cubs. Anyway, um, so the Cubs went after Hayward. Uh, he was a free agent. The Braves said, no, that's, we're not going to go after him. The Cardinals did throw a bunch of money at him. But he had played for them for a year, and played in St. Louis, and was like, yeah, I don't want to do that. So he signed with the Cubs. And we all thought it was very exciting. $186 million. It was an eight-year contract. And he had an opt-out after the first three years. Now, he was 26 years old, and the Cubs' thought was, he's going to be 29, he can make himself a free agent again. Of course he's going to do that. He's going to leave. So these last five years on the deal, they don't matter. We're never going to have to pay him any of that because our all of our stud uh, prospects are going to be coming up behind him, and we'll get three great years out of him, probably win three World Series, and we'll just thank him, and he'll go off to sign another huge contract somewhere. It'll be great. Here we get to spring training in 2016. John Malley is like, Jason, I'm going to fix this. All right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take your hands, and we're going to put them in the weirdest, most uncomfortable position possible. Then, here's a great idea. Let's get your elbow up and see if you can actually stick your head through your elbow. Hey, did you ever see the, the, uh, that celebration that the Dodgers do? Actually, no, because they haven't done it. They'll do it in four years. But it's kind of like that, only a swing. And you're going to put that back there, and what it's really going to do, it's going to unlock your ability to hit the ball kind of hard, not really hard, kind of hard, on three bounces to the second baseman every time. And it worked. It was great. So Hayward's first year with the Cubs, uh, he hit 230, 306, 325. He had an OPS plus of 68. Now, you're just saying 68, OPS plus, that means he's better than 68% of anybody else in the major leagues, right? No. 100 is average. He was actually 32% worse than an average player. And his OPS pluses with the Cubs over the seven years that he played for them, 68, 84, 94, woo, 100. 2019, he hit 251 with a whopping 429 slug. He was league average. Hot damn. In 2020, the pandemic year, 129. Oh, obviously a great season. Woo. Well, we've been through this, and if you're a reader of the uh, of the newsletter, uh, you will see that if you, if you literally pull out, it was a 60-game season. He was good for 20 games. Like, like really pretty good for 20 games. He was bad for the games before that, and he was bad for the games after it. And if it had been a 162-game season instead of a 60-game season, his numbers would have been terrible. But it, they stopped playing before his numbers could get really bad. That was the by far the best season he had with the Cubs in terms of slugging. He slugged 456 for them. Uh, it's the only season he had where he slugged higher than he had in that one year 
um, with the Cardinals. And then his last two seasons, 21 and 22, uh, OPS pluses of 69 and uh, 58. And he is now being paid uh, upwards of $20 million to not play for the Cubs next year. And honestly, it's the best money they've spent in quite a while. So people are like, the Cubs are going to take uh, Cody Bellinger and they're going to put him in the in the pit in the hit lab because they've got one of those, right? I mean, they got the pitch lab with the magic cameras and the uh, I think there's a there's a laser printer in there, maybe even a fax machine. There's probably Tom probably insisted on a fax machine. It's got all the latest equipment. I'm sure there's a hitting version of that. They're going to get Cody in there. Dustin Kelly, his old pal, is going to go. All right, you know what you've been doing? <laughs> uh, your bat's inside out. I don't even know how that happens. It's wood. It's solid wood. Turn it right. Oh, look at that. Now you're back to 40 homers a year. It's going to be great. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, Here's the thing. that If they sign him, I think it's probably going to be down to them and the Giants. They seem to be the two teams that are most interested. They both really need a center fielder. Um, The Giants would love to take a guy from the Dodgers and turn him into something. Um, So I think that that's probably their main competition. One of those two teams is going to get him. Um, if the Cubs get him, the immediate response of the Cub-friendly media is going to be, they're going to wish they could could have convinced him to sign for more than one year. Oh, he's going to come here and put up huge numbers, and then he's going to go cash in someplace else. Yeah, I'm sure that's going to be uh, a big risk. Uh, speaking of cashing in someplace else, Soon-to-be former White Sox first baseman, Jose Abreu, who uh, was an extra in the the scenes filled in Cuba in The Godfather. He was in his, I think he was a teenager. Godfather 2. 36 years old. And if um, this was a video podcast, you could actually see me making the air quotes around 36. 36 36-year-old, soon-to-be former White Sox first baseman. Uh, The San Diego Padres are making him their top priority at first base. But, as we know, the Cubs are going to sign him because Bruce Levine says so. Um, he says it all the time. And he's he's the only one who ever says it, but he says it everywhere. He, he tweets it out. He writes it uh, for uh, some little column he does for the score. He cuts and pastes it, and they run it on, I think Marquis has a website. Do they? Does anybody know? Uh, he goes on radio shows and he talks about it. Done deal. And nobody's quite sure why he's so excited about that. Um, but he thinks, thinks it's going to happen. It, Other than the fact that it doesn't make any sense at all for the Cubs, it's a great idea. Really the only, um, the only appeal that such a move might have to Cub fans is White Sox fans really like Jose Abreu. And it would be kind of funny to get him and have him be productive for the Cubs. Um, the problem with that is I, I just don't think that's really going to happen. I mean, they may sign him. I don't think they're going to. But if they do, he's old. Uh, his bat is getting slower. Uh, he's really starting to lose power, mostly because he's now having to cheat on every fastball. And first base, and he's a terrible first baseman. So, other than that, it's, it's a great idea. Uh, last thing I want to talk about with the Cubs um, was the Cub convention. It's coming back. I know you missed it. I know you missed uh, putting on your uh, best, almost recently washed sweatpants 
heading down to it's at the Sheraton now, right? It's not at the Hilton and Towers anymore. Uh, heading down to the Sheraton on a lovely, it's usually Martin Luther King Jr. weekend. Mostly, I'm sure, because the Ricketts families, they revere that Martin Luther King Jr. and They like to, ce- they like to celebrate with thousands of their best friends. Um, and you can head down there and um, you can go to the opening ceremonies where... Um, Pat Hughes will be on hand to introduce uh, whatever old Cubs are still alive. And then Tom Ricketts will come out, and he'll give a little State of the Cubs speech, where he mostly gets booed, and he'll try to defend um, their uh, decision to tear the team down. And, uh, oh, he'll talk. He'll be very excited about the, uh, the DraftKings sportsbook that... Uh, have you ever seen, ever been to a trailer park? I don't spend a lot of time in trailer parks. I've been to trailer parks. Ever been to a trailer park and somebody has taken their double wide and actually added like a, a sunroom onto it? It's the saddest thing ever. Uh, that's kind of what the DraftKings sportsbook looks like. Uh, at least as it's going up, um, attached to uh, Wrigley Field. Leave it to the Cubs to uh, finally build a brick-and-mortar uh, gambling establishment attached to their stadium at the same time when you and I can do all of our betting. And I do advise you to use DraftKings. They are a proud sponsor of this podcast. Uh, you can do that right on your phone and not have to go into um, what looks like a, uh, a half-ass greenhouse that's attached to Wrigley Field. But he'll talk about that, and um, he'll talk about all the great... Uh, how great... Uh, he has not been able to brag about Marquee because... They haven't had a Cub convention since it launched. And so we get to hear all the wonderful things. And I'm sure we get to see all... You don't even need to go to the convention, because I'm sure all the fun stuff uh, will be uh, will be played on Marquee. Not live, no, no. Uh, a few months later, in five-minute bits. It'll be great. So anyway, head on down. Get your, um, get your tickets today. And um, not that I'm telling you you should buy merchandise from me, but, you know, uh, this is uh, Thanksgiving, so we got Good Good Friday. It's kind of the opposite of Good Friday. Black Friday. Well, maybe not the opposite. Black Friday's coming up. And uh, there is going to be a Black Friday sale for the newsletter, so you might want to keep an eye peeled for that. I'm also going to put out sometime this week uh, a buying guide, like, like a holiday gift guide. I'll, I'll go out, I'll scour the Internet. I'll find fun things you can buy for yourself or your loved ones and who like sports and things. Uh, but one of the things that probably should be on your shopping list is right there in the Decipio shop. Just go to Decipio.com, click on the store, and you can buy yourself a Prospect Pervert shirt because really what what's going to look better with your sweatpants at the Cum Convention than a Prospect Pervert shirt? Nothing. That's what's going to. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is the place to go when betting on the NFL this holiday season. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Plus, everyone can earn up to 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code POINTLESS. Place a $5 bet on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's code pointless only at DraftKings Sportsbook. 21 or older in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. 
Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY, which is 467-369. Bonus issued as free bets. One boost per eligible game. Opt-in required. Ten or more leg required for 100% boost. Deposit, parlay, and wagering restrictions apply. Eligibility and terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms. Sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms. Speaking of football, Bears played the Falcons on Sunday. And um, for a while it was fun. Justin Fields was still doing Justin Fields things, running around. Uh, made a couple of great throws. He missed um, uh, he missed Darnell Mooney on what would have been an easy walk-in 67-yard touchdown pass. It happens. Uh, but he was, he was playing really well. And then all of a sudden he kind of stopped running. We noticed. And Moose Johnston even noticed it. And you know it's obvious if the Moose has picked up on it. And then they, uh, Joe Davis said that he saw Justin uh, massaging his hamstrings. Not Joe Davis's hamstrings. He, Justin was massaging his own. That would be quite a trip to head up to the um, announcer booth to give Joe a little hamstring massage. Then Fox, their sideline camera, um, showed a uh, Bears trainer using the percussive massager thing as Justin laid face down and he was hammering him on his hamstrings. Uh, later we saw, or maybe it was before, it might have been before that, it might have been the, the possession before that, we saw Fields laying on the sidelines, holding his Microsoft Surface with a trainer. I don't know why I'm doing this. As I'm saying this, I'm actually leaning back in the chair and hold, throwing my leg in the air. With his leg in the air, with a trainer stretching him out. So it turns out Justin was having cramps in his hamstrings. It can happen. I know that people think, well, it's not even hot. You can get, all cramps are is um, dehydrated muscle. That can happen when it's hot. It can happen when it's cold. It can happen when it's perfectly temperate. It can happen. So Justin wasn't running as much. And he made a couple of amazing plays. Uh, the one everyone will remember is, uh, I believe it took 12 seconds, or a little under 11, I think 10.9, when they actually put the clock on it. He dropped back. The offensive line was actually protecting him. Riley Reef had time to block two different guys. It was a third down. Fields felt like he couldn't run for it. And threw a pass to Equinemius St. Brown, and Equanimus uh, ran right over a defensive back and got a first down. It was great. On, I think, the same drive earlier, Justin had made an amazing sideline throw where he just dropped it right in the bucket to Dave Montgomery. It was a great pass. And um, But the Bears, thanks to uh, Corderell Patterson setting the uh, uh, NFL record for kick returns, touchdowns with nine. Not in the game. That would have been a lot more points than there were uh, for his career. He had two of those with the Bears. Uh, the Bears were uh, in a game they had controlled early, uh, had found themselves tied, and then eventually uh, down by three points. So the Bears get the ball back with a chance for a, a drive, two-minute drive to tie or win the game. And this is, I think, the fourth time this year they've had that opportunity, and they're, they're not good at it. And a lot of criticism to uh, Luke Getze, 
to Lucchetti, at Lucchetti, about Lucchetti, I don't know what the word there should have been. Uh, the first play, they tried to run a quarterback uh, sweep, and Justin was uh, running with the uh, the grace and speed of Albert Elmora, because his hamstrings apparently had tightened up on him again, and so he just kind of went straight out of bounds. On the next play, he dropped back for a pass, and either it was a called quarterback draw, or he just saw a hole and said, screw it, I can make it through there, and he couldn't. And then he started, uh, he got hit, and he started holding his shoulder. Now, he's had, he's had a soreness in his left shoulder most of the season. I think it might have even happened, I think maybe since the Green Bay game. Uh, But it's getting worse. And something happened that made it uh, even worse. So then on third down, uh, they, he dropped back, and uh, he had some time, and he tried to get a pass to Dave Montgomery, and he threw it too high, and Montgomery probably should have caught it. But bounced off his hands, got intercepted. They lose. Justin waddles off the field with his cramping hamstrings. And while holding his shoulder, kind of where the collarbone meets that, you know, like the, I'm doing, I don't know why I'm doing this again. I really should do the video version of this podcast because I apparently am using uh, visuals. Uh, but if you uh, hold your arm up, oh, say you're about to give Cody Bellinger a high five, um, and kind of reach in there between your collarbone and and the the ball on your shoulder, that's where he was holding it. Well, that is, of course, you know this, I know this, that's the AC joint. And a relatively common injury in athletics is a sprained AC joint. And basically, it hurts like hell, you don't need surgery, but you have to rest it, or it's not going to. And you probably, especially if you're a big, tough, manly football player, and you're a quarterback, and it's not your throwing arm, you probably can play with it. Um, I'm not advising that Justin does, because the Bears are 3-8. and eight. And if shoulder hurts, let's they pay in Trevor Simeon for a reason. Uh, for you and I, the fan, that's going to be dull. We're not going to like that. We don't want to watch Trevor Simeon. The only fun thing about watching the Bears is watching Justin Fields run around and do fun stuff. Uh, but the idea here, supposedly, is this team is supposed to be building a team to win games for uh, years. And this entire season has basically been treading water for a year until they have good draft picks and they have money to spend. And they've had a year to evaluate the limited amount of talent that is there right now. And then they can make more intelligent. They can, to steal a page from our buddy Jed Hoyer, they can do some intelligent spending in the offseason. So basically, if you're like, okay, well, we're not going to spend any money in free agency. And we didn't, we only got left like one draft pick on the first two days. They did eventually make the Khalil Mack trade, and they had two they had two second-round picks. But most of our picks, we're going to have to spend day three trading down, 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 and getting as many as we possibly can. Um, we're basically punting the season. And then you get into the season, and you trade both your defensive captains. So really, the entire season comes down to, do we have a quarterback? And it took about four weeks, and then voila, they're like, okay, we do. We have a quarterback. And then um, when they traded Roquan the next day, they went and they traded for Chase Claypool. 
Uh, I'm not sure if you notice, he is on the team. Um, at some point, they will throw the ball to him more than twice. But that's, what's the rush? Maybe maybe Trevor Simeon will unlock Chase Claypool. Huh? You ever think of that? So basically what you're saying is, we're trying to win the games, but we're not trying to win them. You know, like, hey, here you are, guys. If you play hard and you guys do it, that's great. If you don't, well, fine. Is one of the things this Bear team could really use is a top three draft pick. And you can run to Mel Kuyper Jr. or, um, I don't know what the little guy on ESP, the other little guy, Todd McShay. And you can look at their mock drafts. Dane Brugler. You can go f- check out Dane Brugler on The Athletic. You can download the Bible. Read that thing. Um, where's the Beast? Bible, the beast. I don't know. I really should know this stuff before I start talking about it. But anyway, you can go to your favorite um, draft expert, and you can start looking at guys who are going to get picked first, second, or third, and get all excited about it. And you know what? The Bears aren't going to draft any of them. And the reason for that is if the Bears end up with a top three pick, that is your chance to dupe some quarterback-starved franchise into giving you lots of picks for that pick. And that could jumpstart your rebuild. There is a tremendous luxury in drafting near the top of an NFL draft and not needing to draft a quarterback. Doesn't happen very often. But when it does, it can be a very good thing. So, I'm not saying the Bears should should sit Justin Fields if he's healthy enough to play. I would just say that the percentage he would need to be health-wise to risk playing him anytime soon needs to be in the high 90s. It better have it better be like 97% or higher. Otherwise, what are we doing? You know, if the idea is we're building for next year and beyond, and you need to do evaluate him, you need to figure out, is this guy any good? Well, you know he is. So, as much as you and I would be disappointed to tune in on Sunday at noon... And see Trevor Simeon running around. Um, come April, draft day, we won't be so disappointed. And then hopefully come um, September, when the Bears start playing the 2023 season and there's actual talent on the field, other than Justin Fields, uh, we could also be excited about it. So, I can tell you, now everybody loves your personal experience, I can tell you that I, I injured my shoulder playing football in high school. And reading through, um, at the time, they're like, oh, you partially said I partially separated it. Basically meaning, by the time we checked it out, it was back in socket. And you're just being a wuss. Um, I have a feeling I probably sprained my AC joint. And it only bothered me for eight years. So, you know, I'm a big tough guy. So it'll be fine. Uh, oh, the other bear thing I wanted to talk about. And I wrote about this in the newsletter on uh, Monday. One of these days, I'm actually going to do this, because I thought about it as I was in the car. Because I don't think people who... I think most bear fans see the games on TV, and we get to complain about the network announcers. Like, man, Joe Davis gets excited about all, everything. Like, if you get excited about everything, it's like you're not getting excited about anything, right? You're just a constant state of excitement. I mean, he went, he went to Beloit College. I've been to Beloit. That's, that's not that exciting. Um, most of us 
watch the games on TV, and so we get the national announcers. And then there are some people, in the good old days, used to turn the TV volume down and turn up uh, Jeff Joniak and Tom Thayer. And nowadays, you can't really do that. There's a delay. It's just really hard to sync it up. And and quite frankly, it's not worth it, because Joniak Joniak sucks. And honestly, Thayer kind of sucks, too. Bears have a bad radio team. And because Joniak is a close personal friend of the McCaskies, it's never going to change. So we're kind of stuck with him. But one of the things that I really like to do at some point is record a few minutes of the broadcast, play it back on the podcast, and walk you through it. Because I tried to recreate it as best I could based off of the few plays that I heard while I was in the car. I was running late getting back home, and I had to listen to the first half of the first series of the Falcons on the radio. And I told the story when Greenberg was on, I've told it before. Um, my dad was a farmer, and I don't know, probably 20 years ago. Um, Joniak's been doing this for a long time. Maybe less than 20 years ago. But whenever it was. Jeff Joniak was the announcer for the Bears. Um, I was off. Um, I'd moved out of the house and was you know, living on my own. Got a phone call from my dad. And he asked me what the score of the Bear game was. And I could tell he was in the combine because I could hear it. And I'm like, aren't you? Is the radio broken? He's like, no, the radio's working. I said, why don't you know what the score is? And he said... I've been listening for 15 minutes, and Jeff hasn't said, Jeff Joniak hasn't said what the score is. And it's a very common kind of complaint with Joniak. Like, you can listen to long stretches of the Bear game, and you will not hear the score, the quarter, how much time is left, what down it is, or, um, what yard line the ball is on. Now, there's a very famous thing. Um, Vin Scully once said that the um, a piece of advice he got as a young announcer was the first thing you need to, to, to get good at, and it's the most important part of your job, is regardless of the sport, if there's a ball involved in the sport, the listener needs to know where the ball is. If they know where the ball is, they can follow anything. If it's football and they know what yard line the ball's on, they can follow it. If it's baseball and they know where the ball's been hit or who has it, they can follow it. If it's basketball, if they know where the ball is, they know what's going on. Joni apparently never got that um, advice from anybody. Because the thing he seems... Now listen to this. The next time you listen to him, think about... Listen, listen closely. The thing he seems to be most... A focused on is who made the tackle on any given play. You always get that. You always get who made the tackle. You might not get who ran the ball, what yard line they're on, what the down is, but he's going to tell you that Jack Sanborn was there to make the tackle. It's almost like he's he thinks everybody at home is simply charting tackles, and then the rest of it is just extra. Uh, but it's really infuriating. You literally cannot follow what's going on. And the example that I gave in the column was on the kickoff, what what apparently happened, I didn't see it, what apparently happened was Corderell Patterson was back to 
uh, field the kickoff. And Cairo Santos must kick the ball to basically the same spot all the time on kickoffs. I believe he kicks it, if you're returning it, I believe he kicks it to the, the right side of the end zone. And so Corderell was over there by the right side of the end zone, and Cairo decided to mix it up, and he kicked it to the left side of the end zone, and so the ball landed and just rolled through the end zone for a touchback. That apparently is what happened. What it sounded like, to those of us listening to WBBM, was like Santos back to kick, and oh, and nobody's going to get it, and it's, it's out of bounds. Okay, that's bad, right? If the kick goes out of bounds, it happened a week before against the Lions. Cairo miskicked when he kicks it out of bounds. The other team gets the ball at the 40-yard line if you kick it out of bounds. Well, apparently what Joniak actually was trying to tell us was that he kicked it, it bounced, and it rolled through the back of the end zone, which technically is out of bounds, but it's a touchback. But he never told us that. And then him and Thayer was grunting, like, whoa, 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 I don't know what he was doing. Passing a kidney stone. I don't know what's going on in the booth. I don't really want to know. Um... So then the, the the Falcons start their drive, and we don't know what yard line the ball's on. It could be on the 25, or it could be on the 40, but we don't know. And they run multiple plays before we ever get a yard line. So it's unless you're charting it at home, you when he finally says they're at the 41 because they had gained yards on a couple of the plays, you couldn't tell if he was on if they were on the Bear 41 or on the Falcons 41. And this went on until I got out of the car and walked into the house so I could watch it on TV. So some poor saps had to listen to three hours of that shit. And they have to listen to three hours of that shit 17 times a year. I don't understand how he's, A, how he's never gotten any better. And B, how he still has the job. Actually, I do know how he still has the job. The McCaskies aren't interested in providing us good quality uh, broadcasts. What they're interested in is having... They're friends in these jobs who aren't going to be critical of them, which is exactly what they get with Jeff Joniak. So that's great. Another telling thing about this is um, the Bears will never, will never allow themselves to be on hard knocks. I mean, that thing's been on for, what, 27 years, something like that by now? And the Bears will never do it. And what that shows to you is a, is a little bit of self-awareness, I think. In that somewhere in the recesses of their mind, they know we don't know what we're doing. And the last thing we need is for people to see empirically that we don't know what we're doing. Better to let them just kind of wonder <laughs> if we know what we're doing instead of, of proving that we don't. A uh, good example of this was... Um, there's a show on Amazon Prime called All or Nothing, and they do, they've do they done NFL teams. Uh, they did the Cowboys, and that was a real good look into just what a moron Jason Garrett is. Um, they've done the Eagles. They did the, they did the Cardinals one year. Cardinals are on the in-season hard knocks right now on HBO. But they do other sports, and they did, I'm an Arsenal fan, and they did Arsenal last year. And it was a season where Arsenal started off terribly, all of a sudden started to play well. Looked like they had a top four finish in the uh, English Premier League sewn up, which is important because if you're top four, you get into the Champions League, you get lots of money, right. and that helps a lot. And they blew it. 
coming down the stretch. They lost, I think, three out of the last four matches. They ended up winning on the final day, but they needed their arch-rival Spurs to lose, and they didn't. So Arsenal stuck on the outside looking in. But when you watch the All or Nothing, you realized that, A, Mikel Arteta's a really good manager. Arsenal's a really well-run team. And you really liked the players. And it was kind of, you kind of finished it. Like, how did they blow that? Well, it kind of set up for this season, whereas they left for the World Cup break. Uh, Arsenal is top of the table in the Premier League. Now, nobody expects they're going to hold off the mighty Manchester City, but nobody thought they'd be five points clear at the break, and they are. And you reflect back on all or no, on the stuff you saw on All or Nothing, it's not that surprising. Like, actually, no, they, they are good. You know, and, and I mean, Stan Kroenke, for God's sakes, had enough confidence to let them, to let cameras follow everything they did. Um, but you do not see... Um, Vag or George letting people have a look. Now they do a thing on YouTube, which actually is kind of good. It's called like, what do they call it? 1920 Hallis Drive or whatever. Football Way. I don't know what it is. Where they kind of their own little version of it, but they get to control it. They get to do the editing. Even though on Hard Knocks, the teams have a lot of say. The teams can basically tell NFL films, no, you can't show them. And um, but the Bears are like, no, no, no. We, we don't trust that. You know, we're dopes. We don't want everybody to... We know people think we're dopes. We don't want to prove we're dopes. And what you do see, though, are that the confident teams have no problem with that. And if you're like, well, what about the Patriots and Super Secret? They don't do any of that stuff. Uh, I meant to look this up before. Maybe I'll put it... I'll try to find it and put it in the in the show, in the description, in the post for this. A few years ago, they put a mic on Bill Belichick for the entire season training camp, through all the regular season games, through the playoffs. Belichick had uh, a mic on. And they even had access to, like, team meetings. There's That's where the really famous scene when Brady left and they showed how the two of them used to meet once a week. You know, the head coach was not the offensive coordinator, but he met with his quarterback every week. And they showed some of that. Um, and it's really good. And part of it is Belichick trusts NFL films, especially then, when the Sables were still there. He trusted them. Um... And I think he sees NFL films as like the historians of the NFL, and he's very into the history. And I think he's like, all right, well, for one year, let him let him see everything, so that it's all documented. Um, that's really good. So he, even him, super secret Bill Belichick was willing to let him in. Uh, the Bears, not so much. Uh, the only thing I wanted to say about the Bulls, because we did this reader survey, and I could tell none of you are interested in this, but I'm going to say it anyway. It's my podcast. God damn it. And I'll talk about what I want to talk about. Uh, a lot of kerfuffle. Can you have a lot of kerfuffle? There was a kerfuffle this last week uh, when in a, uh, a game that the Bulls were playing poorly in, they would eventually come back and almost win. Uh, Billy Donovan benched his star, Zach Levine, towards the end of a game. And people are like, well, now, they gotta, now the Bulls got to pick. Are they going to fire Billy, or are they going to trade Zach? It's like, that's not how it fucking works. Right? I mean, if you're a coach and you can't sit a player who's not playing well, even if he's your best one, then you might as well quit. I mean, I don't think Arturis is going to go down and basically yell at Billy for doing that, and he's certainly not going to just go down and say, all right, got to trade Zach. I mean, it's they're, 
Last I checked, they play 82 of those things. And it's they're not always going to get along. Um, the other thing about the Bulls is that um, they have not been good since Lonzo Ball got hurt. I mean, if you think about the team last year, when it was about this time last year, when they were really fun, and we were all hopping on, and they were the best record in the Eastern Conference. And then you look at it now, even though guys like like Iowa's taking a nice leap, and you know they've got more depth. You're like, ooh, they should be better. Well, they don't have Lonzo, and Lonzo makes a lot of that shit work. And we got an update this week about Lonzo's uh, troublesome. Is it bulky? Is it a bulky knee? Uh, how's it doing? Oh, it's getting better. When do you think it'll be back? We don't know. Uh, that's not great. Is there a towel drill for knees? Because if there is, we can get some nice shots of Lonzo doing the towel drill for his knees. All right, so I want to finish um, with some recommendations for you guys. Things you could read. Uh-huh. If you don't know what a book is, it's like TV, except uh, it's the printed form. Um, or watch. Um, or, is that it? Read or watch? Yeah, that's what we got. You can read things, you can watch things. Uh, so one of the things that in the, uh, as uh, the great Better Call Saul wrapped things up uh, earlier, late summer, early fall, late summer, midsummer, I don't even know, it's all, time is a construct. Uh, people wanted to know what Bob Odenkirk was going to be up to. Uh, and what Vince Gilligan and Ray Seahorn are going to be up to. Well, they're going to be up to different things. Bob is going to is, is currently filming, in fact, he may even be done, a limited series for AMC called Straight Man. It's based on a Richard Russo book. Uh, and it's about a, uh, a college professor in... This one might not be in upstate New York. This one might be in Pennsylvania. Uh, Richard Russo's books are almost always set in upstate New York. Uh, it's a great book. It's one of my favorites. Uh, it's legitimately funny. Um, a little absurd. And I think Bob will be great in it. So I'm very much looking forward to Straight Man. And as far as Vince and Ray, they are going to also work on a... They're going to work on a series together. Uh, but uh, no meth, supposedly. Uh, so I don't know what they're going to be talking about. But if you want to get a, uh, you want to get a leg up on things, um, read Straight Man by Richard Russo. It's uh, it's pretty good. You can buy. So I had a copy of it, and I couldn't find it. I don't know what I did with it. I wanted to reread it sometime during the pandemic, and I tore the house apart trying to find. It. I found all kinds of bad books, but I couldn't find Straight Man. And I went on eBay, and I think I bought it for like four dollars. So, or you can probably get it from your library. I actually check things out of the library, as I'm old now, and I like free. And goddammit, my taxes are paying for the library, so I want to use it. The only thing I'm upset about our, about our library is I want more um, drag children's book readings. Just to, just to shove it in the face of people who complain about it. Anyway. Um... And I talked about it here, and I actually wrote an actual review on the newsletter about uh, Confess Fletch, the John Ham, um, John Ham's Fletch that came out um, a couple of months ago. And if you didn't know it was out, you're not alone. 
they did a wonderful job of uh, um, burying it <laughs> so that nobody would know about it. I don't know why you would buy the rights to a book, hire a director, Greg Matola, good director, hire John Hamm and John Slattery and Roy Wood and Kyle McLaughlin is in it and other people that are Marcia Gay Harden is in it and then have them make a, a pretty good movie it's funny um, it's got it, they, they twisted the plot a little bit but not, not too much it basically follows it you think if you, once you've invested in that you think the least you could do would be advertise a little bit but they didn't do that but the best part of it is uh, Marcia Gay Harden's character. She's Italian, and Marcia uses a terrible Italian accent, and she pronounces the word, f- the name Fletch, Flesh, every single time. It was good, and I, I hope it doesn't really mean that they're never going to make any more of those because uh, I think there's a lot of potential to make good Fletch um, movies for a while, for like a decade. Another show that I, our show that I'm watching. Uh, it's a lot of people are watching. It's a Star Wars show. Um, but it's a Star Wars show based around the most boring character from Rogue One, Cassian Andor, played by Diego Luna. And it's really good. Tony Gilroy is the creator. You probably know him from... You know him from things like Michael Clayton. And you think, what's the Michael Clayton guy doing writing Star Wars? In Rogue One, it might not have been that obvious, but it's pretty obvious in Andor. I mean, this is, like, serious stuff. Good, really good, and parts of Star Wars that we don't really see. The biggest thing it does is just shows you just how evil the Empire is, and evil in like the most bureaucratic way possible. So um, uh, I really enjoyed it. It's twelve. It, it's there's two seasons. It's twelve episodes long. Both of them are twelve episodes long. So it's really long for one of these. Um, Disney Plus shows, and the finale is Wednesday of season one, and apparently they've already started filming season two. Um, that's really good, and it's they're, they're billing it as adult Star Wars, and it actually is. Like they just straight kill people, you know. There's no, it's not cartoon violence. It's like, you know, oh that guy's laying there injured. I'll just shoot him in the head, and um, you see some postcoital Star Wars. So apparently they. In a galaxy far, far away, a long time ago, they reproduced very similar to the way we do. Um, another show that I think is worth your time is a show called The English on Amazon Prime. It stars Emily Blunt and a guy who I really enjoyed. He plays a uh, Native American in it. Um, named his the, the actor's name is Chasky Spencer. And apparently that actually means something. Um, I mean, of course it means something, it's the guy's name, but people have heard of him. He was in the Twilight movies, which I will admit I didn't know that, because I've never seen any of those. So um, the, the basic plot, and I won't get into it too much, because I don't want to give anything away, because there's a big twist in it that's really good, I thought. Creepy, but good. Um, Emily Blunt plays a, uh, a fancy English lady who comes to... Um, America in frontier times to kill the man who killed her son and um, she's she's a badass and it's uh, it's a really good use of her and he's really good in it 
Um, I just really enjoyed it. It's uh, I think it's only six episodes long, so it's not terribly long. Not a long time commitment, but uh, go ahead, watch it. I think it's the best thing she's been in since Edge of Tomorrow, which is, I think, a really underrated, great movie uh, with a terrible, terrible soap opera name. And I believe it was based on... I don't know if it's a book or a cartoon or something um, that was it was a Japanese novel. It was called All You Need Is Kill, which was a much better name than Edge of Tomorrow, where it sounds like they're selling soap flakes in the 50s. Uh, there are uh, a couple of Apple TV shows that I like. Do I have all the streaming services? Yes. Yes, I do. One of them is back, and it's uh, Mythic Quest, and it's a uh, it's Rob McElhenney's other show, um, other than Always Sunny. It's produced by him and Charlie Day, and I don't know somebody else. Basically, he plays the very pompous um, owner of a, um, a gaming studio that makes Mythic Quest, this like you know massive multiplayer role playing game, and it's. It's basically, it's an office show set with that as the background. It's just really funny. Um, and this is season three, I think we're on, that just came out. So if you haven't seen any of those, plow through those. You will enjoy them. And I've talked about this before. I'm going to give another plug because I just really like it. I just finished season two? Maybe it's three of this too. It's uh, from the Bob's Burgers guys. It's a cartoon on Apple TV Plus that's a musical called Central Park, and it sounds stupid, but it's not. The songs are funny, um, the dialogue is funny, and it's got um, some insanely talented people. Catherine Hahn is in it, and she can sing, it turns out. It's a couple of guys from uh, Hamilton. David Diggs plays uh, this very dowdy um, housekeeper personal assistant to a woman, Betsy Branningham, played by Stanley Tucci. And Leslie Odom Jr. Uh, plays Catherine Hahn's husband. Titus Burgess is the son. He's very funny. In the first season, Kristen Bell played the daughter. And then, because it's a mixed-race family on the show, she basically said, I think you should find somebody of color to play the daughter. So they, they recast it and brought in a new actress to be the daughter, and you really didn't notice. Um, this must be season three, because that was season two. It's season three... Uh, Catherine Hahn's sister uh, joins the cast, and it's Kristen Bell. So she came back. Um, shows are just really funny. And uh, it's literally about Lizzie Odom Jr.'s character plays the caretaker of Central Park in New York. And they live in the little mansion that's on the grounds, which just sounds much more glamorous than it is. And Betsy Branningham owns this big hotel across the park and she decides in season one she's going to buy the park well you can't really buy Central Park but she she tries and um, she helps fix a mayoral election and there's just all kinds of fun stuff so you should watch that um, and the last couple of things I want to talk about you're like how is he still talking God um, are on another streamer well two of one of the two things I want to talk about it's on, on, it's on another streamer. Paramount Plus. And um, 
they they have a they had a spin-off of one of the most popular shows on cable TV and I guess streaming the Kevin Costner show Yellowstone which I heard described as uh, mega succession and so I'm not watching that but I had decided I would watch the spin-off so they had 1883 which is about the same family except wait for it set in 1883 Tim McGraw Faith Hill played the uh, Played two of the main characters, husband and wife. Oh, terribly believable. Those two would be married. Well, I guess they are. And the kind of the breakout star of it was their daughter, played by Isabel May, and she was great, except for one thing. In the show, Isabel May is the narrator, and it is the narration is horribly written, overwrought crap. And when you watch the show, I don't, I'm going to tell you this, and you're going to be like, I can't wish you hadn't told me that. You would have noticed it anyway. She has a weird accent when she narrates that she doesn't have when she acts. I don't get it. And maybe it's her, maybe it's her letter-reading voice? I don't know. Um, so I'm not going to watch Yellowstone, but I did watch 1883. I thought it was really good. And the next prequel is called 1923. And it stars Harrison Ford and Helen Mirren. And apparently it's set in, hold on to your butts, 1923. We saw the first trailer for it, and it's a trailer. Couldn't tell what the fuck was going on. But it looks like it's going to be alright. Another show that I watch on Paramount Plus is a show that's actually on real live network TV. So I finally have a show that I watch again that's on network TV, even though I don't watch it on network TV. I watch it on Paramount Plus. And I'd heard it was funny, and I'm like, it's... It's a network show. It's not going to be funny. Uh, But I decided to plow through a few one night, and now I've watched them all, the whole first season, and caught up at season two. And it's a show called Ghosts, which is a high-concept show, I guess, about a couple that buys this um, kind of distressed mansion in upstate New York. Somewhere in New York. And um, they're going to turn into a bed and breakfast. And the wife has an accident, falls down the stairs and legally dies for like two minutes and when she comes to she can see all the ghosts that live in the house and the ghosts are uh, people who died on the property who have some unresolved thing before they can uh, get um, before they can ascend to heaven and uh, you know what kind of show it is when they refer to the going to heaven is getting sucked off. <laughs> so they say it all the time. And there's like there's like a couple of people who have relatively recent deaths, like in the last 20 years, and they both find the I need to get sucked off thing really funny. Um, the the stars of the show, um, the couple that bought it, are Rose McIver, who's adorable, and a guy named Utkarsh Anbidkar. And he's really good. He can't, he's the husband, he can't see the ghosts. Uh, but he completely believes that she can see them, and um, there's a lot of funny stuff with what, who's you know she'll be she'll be talking to somebody in the um, in the room, and he'll try to figure out who she's talking to. But there's like a there's a guy who was a Viking who's been dead on the property for thousands of years, and uh, there's a there's a guy from the uh, Revolutionary War. I don't think he's a general. 
who's there. There's like a jazz singer from the 20s. There's a flower child who wandered off from Woodstock and got eaten by, tried to hug a bear. Um, anyway, it's, it sounds ridiculous. It's a pretty good show. So you should, you should watch it. Uh, and then the last thing, I meant to time this, I would talk about Harrison Ford being in 1923, and then I would talk about this. I want to talk briefly about the plot to Indiana Jones 5 which is coming out next year. Now, you may not remember that there was a fourth Indiana Jones movie. Indiana Jones and George Lucas's really bad idea um, about aliens and crystal skulls and other shit. And we just pretend that movie didn't happen. Like, there's only three Indiana Jones movies. There's not four. So will there be... Will, will Indiana Jones 5 be Indiana Jones 4, or will it be another movie that we pretend doesn't happen? It's It sounds promising, although, honestly, 4 sounded promising and wasn't. Uh, the best thing about Indiana Jones 5 is that George Lucas is not involved. Uh, apparently, he wanted aliens to be part of Rage of the Lost Ark, and Spielberg talked him out of it. And then when they went to make Indy 4, they couldn't talk him out of it, and that was not good. But Indy 5 is set in 1969, mostly because Indy's got to be old, because Harrison Ford is old. Um, and it involves Nazis. Not current Nazis, trying to overthrow our government, but... Uh, 60s Nazis, hip, cool 60s Nazis, and the main bad guy is played by my one of my favorite actors of all time, Mads Mikkelsen. So I'm kind of excited about that. Um, so there's an article in Empire magazine, and I've been a subscriber to Empire for a long time. I get just get it digitally. I think it costs me two bucks a month. Maybe it's up to four dollars a month now. And I get it on my iPad and I read it because it's a British, <laughs> it's a British movie magazine, but I really like it. And especially now the Entertainment Weekly went tits up. Actually, the worst thing about having an Entertainment Weekly subscription was when they went out of, when they stopped publishing, they turned my subscription into a People Magazine subscription. So I get People Magazine now. People Magazine, the magazine for people who can't read or who can't read more than three paragraphs, apparently. But I still have Empire. And uh, Empire had did a little sneak preview thing and they, their magazine I, I probably has downloaded I probably need to check my iPad um, but I'll give you a quick synopsis of the plot and we can decide right now whether it's, this is going to be worth it or not it says Empire can reveal that Indiana Jones 5 finds our hero in 1969 living against the backdrop of the space race but the American effort to beat the Russians to the moon brings it, with it some uncomfortable truce for Indy mostly there's no fossils on the moon. Or are there? No, that's not it. The simple fact is that the moon landing program was run by a bunch of ex-Nazis. Indiana Jones 5 co-writer Jez Butterworth. Jez Butterworth. Come on. Tells Empire. What's true? We, we know that's true. How ex they are is the question. And it gets up Indy's nose. I don't want to see anything up Indy's nose. Pitching Indiana. A man always looking to the secrets of the Earth rather than the stars into the end of the astronaut era, and the era of the astronaut, I can't read, finds him even more a man out of time. It's not just the model of what a hero is. It's completely changed, says Jez Butterworth. It's not just that they're looking for something where there's nothing up there. It's like Reno without the gambling, or whatever his line is. But the people that are behind it are, you know, his sworn enemies. So apparently, uh, Mads Mikkelsen plays... Uh, the villainous Voler. I don't know if we got a first name. Did we get a first name? Uh, I don't know. Let's call him uh, Hans. Just for the hell. 
who is inspired partly by real-life Nazi-turned-NASA engineer Werner von Braun, who we all remember from The Right Stuff as the... Um, we put the specimen into space. The spaceman? The specimen. Specimen, anyway. Um, that's who he plays, and Boyd Holbrook plays the nefarious Clabber. Uh, Boyd Holbrook is awesome. Um, he was in... Um, he was in Wolverine. That's probably where you saw him. Um, he's also on a great series on Amazon called The Patriot, uh, which is more funny than you think it's going to be. And it's not uh, about... Uh, it's not the old um, Mel Gibson movie. Uh, thankfully. It's really not. It's much better than that. So he's in it too, and uh, it's not a lot of information, but uh, that's been off. Right, who am I kidding? Of course I'm going to go watch it, and I'll probably try to like it, and hopefully I will like it. Um, I tried to like Crystal Skull, and just kind of went, what the fuck is this? So that was no good. All right, so that's kind of a breezy look through the Cubs, the Bears, the Bulls, very breezy through the Bulls. And uh, some media shit that you guys could uh, could check out. Think of it as my Christmas gift to you. All this information. Oh, think about all the things you can waste your time on. Uh, and like I said, coming up, uh, depending on when you listen to this, coming up this week, there I'm going to have a buying a holiday buying guide. So you're going to be able to pick cool presents uh, for people you like and uh, or maybe people you don't like. So anyway, thanks a lot for indulging me if you somehow made it to the end of this rambling thing. Uh, We'll get back to podcasts with co-hosts here uh, pretty soon. Um, So, thanks everybody. Many of us have herpes.